0: Hey, Breakthrough listeners, it's Jason Lowe and Peter Lount from episode number 107. At Ascendant Financial, mybankersvault.com, we specialize in teaching real estate investors across Canada the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. Do you also find it frustrating when it's difficult to access the financing you need or when the housing market moves against you? And when there's unexpected prolonged vacancy or expensive repairs, are you tired of transferring all that money away from you? We have the solution at MyBankersVault.com. By becoming your own banker, anything that you are already doing financially, including real estate investing, is radically improved. Whether utilizing this process for down payments or for entire real estate purchases, becoming your own banker puts you in a position to control the repayment schedule on your loans while enhancing your overall returns. Whether you are brand new to real estate or a seasoned investor, we believe that ready access to money and financial control should be in your hands not the banks or a loan officer. We have an exclusive and irresistible package for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. If you want the best way to build and deploy capital, easier access to money, better returns and less headaches, head on over to mybankersvault.com. That's mybankersvault.com.
1: Hey guys, Omar Khan here with Data Trading Co. I wanted to tell you about episode 124 of the Breakthrough Podcast. We currently have a special offer for Breakthrough Podcast listeners we're offering a free one-hour live training session where we show how to instantly add stock options as a new income stream now i've used this myself personally over the years to create a sizable real estate portfolio for myself and there's no reason you can't as well cool thing is it only takes about 30 minutes a day so if you have a job or if you have a business or you're just spending a lot of time with your family you're gonna have time to incorporate this in your life if you take the time to learn this okay now We're also offering a 15-minute free consultation to discuss how our option strategy can work with your current investment strategy and really take your investment to the next level, okay? So for more information, check out 30minutestocktrader.com forward slash breakthrough to join us on our free live training, our next webinar. Remember again, episode 124, where Sandy and I go over exactly how I use this strategy to acquire a large real estate portfolio for myself. And there's no reason why you can't as well. See you there, guys. Talk soon.
0: If you're looking for the skills and tools to succeed in real estate investing, you've come to the right place. This show is about breaking through barriers, breaking through limiting beliefs, and breaking through to the life that you wanna live through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And now, here are your hosts,
2: Rob Brake and Sandy McKay
3: welcome everybody thanks for joining us again today uh we are very excited to be back once again and as always sandy is here with me welcome back sandy hey good to see you and hear from you again
2: i know i i i got skipped last time it was uh we had a little special guest so if anyone hasn't seen that go back and check one one out without me might be more exciting but um happy to be here again
3: well the only reason we did that was because we had rescheduled with the guest a couple times already and then uh and then at the last minute you found out there was an event you couldn't get out of so yeah we had to jump in and get our special uh emergency guest host Quentin D'Souza in on that so and it was fun we had a good time um but we missed you man so glad you're back
2: (laughs) sure sure sure
3: um so uh what's new man what's new with you
2: uh, yeah, what's new? Um, I don't know, lots of stuff. We've been doing a lot of revamping of our business, not necessarily the real estate investment stuff, just businesses in general this year. So a lot of changes around that, I guess. Um, we're going to be kind of launching a newer realtor brand piece in the, into the new year um, of our expansion uh, brand. So share more about that as we go, but uh, it'll be a 2022 thing. But A um, um, little, little
3: taste for everybody.
2: It'll be, it'll be tied in with the real estate, uh, obviously, but real estate investments as well, and um, a lot to do with freedom and financial freedom, that sort of thing. So it'll be,
1: it'll be cool.
3: Well, quick question for you, Sandy. What do you got for people, like, just starting out, let's say somebody's listening, they want to jump in, right? They want to get in on this real estate investing stuff. Like, what, what, what are they going to do if they reach out to you? What are you, you <laughs> going to tell them about
2: well, wow. I mean, generally, we're going to help them build a plan, right? So, and I know you do the similar is just, just help them build a vision and a plan for where they're headed. Um, that's the biggest piece is, is really taking them because most people don't really know, right? Especially if they if they haven't been overly active yet into that. If they've already got a huge portfolio and they've done you know a lot of business already, they might understand where they're headed and have clarity around that. A lot of people we talk with, right, don't have don't have a lot of clarity on what they're doing and why they're doing it or, or what strategy works and and so we're going to kind of identify all those pieces with them and and help them through that that thought process and hopefully come up with a plan that makes a lot of sense so we can ultimately get into action which is what's Yeah and done. you know
3: what the other thing that helps on that side is the the virtual property tours that we're still doing virtual um you know where we can just walk through the house basically show them the reasons why this one is attractive as an investment and the potential that it has and why we're looking here and then answer any questions that they might have about it. But it's also just to give people, you know, a really good idea of, Hey, like, here's why we look at this as a great investment, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those are, that's another thing to jump in on is uh, I'll tie this right in with um, everyone going over to our website and getting on our list for our free gift Sandy will talk about later. But when you do, um, it gets you on our mailing list, right? So you can get in with Sandy and, and, um, and like get on that plan that he was talking about for new investors to get them on the right track towards what kind of investments they should be looking at and how to build their generational wealth, which is what this is all about. And, uh, and get on our list for the property tours. And, you know, just keep moving forward. But Sandy, tell Mm -hmm. them about that free gift.
2: Uh, it's the alternate strategy for building wealth through real estate, which they will get when they sign up for a list there. And, um, it's really simple. It just kind of gives you a bit of direction around how to, how to build wealth. We think it's the best strategy out there to, to build wealth through real estate and, um, kind of guides them through that, gives them a little taste of what, what pretty much the model we've used to build our portfolios and uh, how can they, how they can do the same. And, um, and like you said, they, they never miss out on a show, on a, on a, on a property tour, on everything else we kind of got going on there. Gonna get notified of that so they don't miss out and they can soak up all the information they need.
3: Yeah, that's it. Everybody, breakthrough podcast.ca Um, and go over to iTunes as well. You guys know this. Leave us a rating review, it's very helpful. You know, we've been getting a lot of a lot of um I guess exposure from iTunes and everybody that's left their words of encouragement and uh words of suggestion and their reviews of whatever kind they might be over there on iTunes. So please continue to do that. It it helps us a lot. So, and we appreciate everybody that's taking the time to do it and it doesn't take that long, you know, go over and just let us know what you think. So, um, and, and, um, and, you know, I'm going to go back to reading some reviews, which I was doing before, but, uh, it's been a while since we've done that. I think next show we'll get into reading some of the newer, newer reviews for the show. So, um, Anyway, with all that stuff out of the way, I uh, just want to um, say that we're really excited to talk to today's guest, uh, Jeremy Ivany, on how to start early, how to continue growing using JVs and other people's money, VTV mortgages, and other strategies when you're out of your own money, right? So we're very excited to have you on, Jeremy. Welcome.
4: Awesome. Yeah, I know. thanks, guys. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, uh, Rob, for having me on today. I'm excited to, to share my journey and hopefully inspire others to Kind of get get the ball rolling in their career and uh, kind of live that financial independence life that I think a lot of us are striving for um, to achieve. So awesome! And, awesome. And,
2: and when you say start early, we mean early. Like we're going to talk about uh, you know your experience and, and how early that is, but it's it's at a really young age compared to most people. It's exciting. You're a you're a full time investor with uh, your partner Taylor Taylor Sears, and uh, yeah, you've created. I'll just do a quick background for you. You've created uh, TJ Real Estate. So that consists of your own property management company or in-house management of your current portfolio, Um, 60-ish units, uh, is what I've heard there. And uh, you and Taylor have completed several wholesale and wholesale deals and have recently sold some of your first buy and hold properties to trade out for bigger buildings. And uh, TJ Real Estate currently continues to grow and scale their portfolio, demonstrating the power of starting at a young age. What age did you start at? so we bought our first house when we were
4: 19. Uh, we didn't actually start investing in real estate until we were 22. So kind of a little bit of backstory about myself. So, uh, when I was, I actually moved out West when I was 18 years old and that's really where I got the first kick of real estate investing. I was living with a guy, there was I think 10 or 12 of us living in this mansion, he was charging all of us like 900 bucks a month to live in a room. And I was like, well, this guy's making some killer money off of us. So that's kind of where I got that this first idea of like buy a house, get other people to pay it down for you. Uh, reap the rewards of the cash flow, the mortgage pay down and the appreciation over the long term. Uh, but it wasn't really till I was 22 uh, when I actually came back to Ontario and started working as an electrician. And I kind of got that income coming in where I was like, now's the time to do this. So we bought our first uh, um, real, real estate um, investment property when we were 22, about two and a half years ago now. And right away after the first two properties, we kind of ran out of money. And that's really when the strategy started to kick into play, because I knew at a young age, I said, you know, we need to grow our portfolio fast in order to for people to take us seriously. Uh, so since then, we've done about 30 deals. Uh, currently, we only hold 16 properties. We actually tied up four yesterday. So tr- really trying to scale up our portfolio. And over the next two years, we're, we're really going to try and uh, triple the size of our business, uh, which we think we're going to be doing, uh, like I said, through other people's money and more creative strategies to, to keep that ball rolling. Uh, me and I have this mindset of there's always somebody that's going to say no. And there's, there's always people that are going to say yes. And those are the people we try and surround ourselves with. And uh, never take no for an answer and, and then really try and push past our boundaries um, every single day. So.
3: so let's dial back a little bit. You mentioned that you were living in a house and uh, with a bunch of other people getting charged, you know, a certain amount of money per month. And you realized what that was doing for the uh, person who owned the house. So is that uh, like did that bug always stick with you or was there some other uh, sort of light bulb aha moment that went off or was that the one?
4: Yeah, so that wasn't really the real estate light bulb that went off. The real estate light bulb went off for me. I went to a conference that Matt held in uh, London, Ontario back in 2019 called OREC 2019. Uh, that's really where I got this true inspiration for real estate. Um, that really put me into perspective when I was 19 living in that guy's house to just try and save my money um, and build up some sort of nest egg where I can then go and invest it in something. I didn't know what that something was. I just knew it, um, whether it be stocks, whether it be real estate. I wasn't really sure at that point. I was still young. I went from making like $12 an hour working at McDonald's to making, you know, 25 bucks an hour in, in Alberta. So I was just this young kid that really didn't know what was going on. I just knew, Hey, I got like 800 bucks coming in a week. I should probably, you know, do something with this money aside from just spending it, uh, going out and partying, things like that. That majority of the people that I was surrounded by, uh, were doing so.
3: Okay. And then you mentioned that, um, that when you were out and started to make some real money, that was when you decided to take the jump and purchase something. So was there, was there like, what was behind that then? Tell us a little bit of the backstory there.
4: Yeah. So like when I got this light bulb moment, it was, it was like I said, when I was at OREC 2019, um, you know, it's like we were listening to people that, you know, retired in like two, three years. And I thought like, that is exactly what I want. I don't want to be working every, like I was an electrician. We were working, you know, I was getting up at like 6am working until 8pm at night. I knew even like after doing this for a couple of years, like this is not what I want my entire life to look like. Right. I want to, I want to be able to travel. I want to, like, when I have kids, I want to be able to spend time with my kids. I'm a really avid golfer. Like I want to golf every single day. And, uh, and so that's when, like, that's when the true inspiration happened, uh, was after that event, you know, seeing people that had the same struggles that I had. Cause when I went to the event, I only had 50, $60,000 and I thought, how the heck am I going to grow this portfolio where eventually I'm going to be able to retire on, I'm thinking about, you know, I got to see about, for a down payment, like this is going to take me like three or four years, every single property uh, to save up. And then I realized like, there's actually other ways um, to to get down payment money. There's other ways to source renovation funds, things like that. And I realized like everybody else that's doing what I want to do is having the same issues that I'm having just on a different level. So I thought there's a way to do this. I just need to figure out how that is. (laughs)
3: and 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 how did you figure it out
4: (laughs) (laughs) obviously just through uh just through trial and error um you know like i said i we uh so after that event we bought our first two duplexes kind of right away and we were out of money so um just it just out of the blue taylor's parents said hey uh if you guys want some money we'll we'll lend you guys some money and so then we were able to kind of then we used the money that uh, they lent us actually for the down payments. Even though we had the down payments uh, ready in our bank account, we used that private money to source the down or to, to fund the down payments. Uh, but then, so then we still had our original money left over. So then we were able to buy a couple more properties. Then we ended up burring all of those properties. So then that gave us enough firepower for the next few properties. Uh, then we had like seven or eight properties kind of in the first like six, seven months. And then um, naturally joint venture partners started to come to us, right? I was sharing what I was doing on social media. I was sharing the success I was having and trying to inspire other people. And then naturally people just came to us and said, Hey, I've got a hundred thousand dollars. I've got X amount of money, uh, Jeremy Taylor, but I don't know what to do. Let's partner on something together. You show me how to do it. Um, and let's kind of share the property 50, 50. So that's kind of how, that's how we really started to branch up and, and grow our business kind of in, in the beginning
2: stages. Uh, I love it. You, you, brand, you, you went pretty quick over, we just burned those properties and got it over and it was really easy. And what, what, what were some, um, there's some, Challenges in there or something that came Absolutely. up when you, were, when you were burying, it sounded like you were burying multiple properties buy, renovate, refinance rent. Yeah. But, um, I think Rob's frozen by the way, is he? Here? <laughs> he seems frozen. <laughs> um, I'm sure he'll come back if he's, if he's, if he's gone for a minute, but, um, yeah, it you made it sound really easy. I'm sure there were some ups and downs there. What what were some of the challenges that kicked in when you were uh when you were doing that early on?
4: Definitely, definitely. So when we when we the first duplex we actually bought, um so we invest in Chatham Ontario, it's a town an hour away from London. It was really it was a market that uh had a low barrier to entry, the cash flow was really good, the purchase price per ca- like per rent was very good, we really liked that ratio, um which is why we chose uh Chatham over London. And so when I when we first got into Chatham I didn't really have an idea of like what were the good like there wasn't as much resources two years ago as there are now right now everybody tells you like uh, research the areas you're investing in understand you know what are the fundamentals in in these types of areas but I didn't really have any of that I said well these duplexes look cheap enough they look like they're going to cash flow and the first duplex we bought was in like an absolute war zone like I'm talking uh like like a lot of drug activity, a lot of violence. Uh, we just didn't know. We just thought, you know, you, you just invest in a property and everything's gravy. Uh, so that was one of the biggest issues we had from the get go was we realized tenants didn't want to live in our duplex. Uh, contractors didn't want to work at our duplex because they felt unsafe. So that that was uh, that was definitely a big learning curve for me it was like understanding, OK, I bought these two duplexes. Let's not make the same exact mistake again. Let's understand, like, what areas should I be in Chatham? Um, to help avoid uh, these things and, and overcome it,
3: I just find it interesting because you don't—you didn't really seem to like you mentioned an event um, yeah. that you went to, but after that, you didn't really seem to, um, you know, have any sort of real guidance. You just sort of said, "Okay, I learned what I needed to learn at this event, and now I'm just going to jump in and do it."
4: Yeah, I'm a big, I mean, uh, so actually right now we're, we're coaching a lot of students and, and a, I'm a big proponent on more action and, and kind of, because I think what a lot of people get stuck in is they get stuck in this. I need to know everything before I do something. Uh, whereas I'm on the mindset of like, let's just do it. Let's figure it out. Uh, what can go wrong? Right. I was 22 at the time. Like what, what can actually go wrong here? I got to start over from ground zero. I'm kind of already at ground zero. So let's just, if I have to restart, let's just do it. Um, But then when I got into the real estate game, I realized like there's so much more to learn than what you're going to learn on books, podcasts, uh, listening to, you know, other real estate investors uh, talk, because there's so much more involved that um, that's hard to really relate. Um, But when you actually see it in person and you realize like what actually happens when a tenant doesn't pay, right? Like I don't need to read books to learn what happens when a tenant doesn't pay. I just need to kind of think like, what are the next steps? Well, Probably the next step is like there must be some sort of form or there must be sort of like way I need to approach this person in order to get my rent. Right. Like there's, it's very easy to learn when you just get put in really difficult situations and you're like, I got to figure it out somehow. So.
2: Yeah. I think you have a, you know, a lot of people, you took action pretty fast. I think that's, um, you, you probably have a little higher risk tolerance than most people. Yeah. Um, but I, but ultimately, you know, whatever sort of risk adverse was there, maybe there was nothing, but it ultimately you took action and, and you learned through it. And I think, one uh, of the benefits of starting early is you can, you could screw things up completely and you're still, you still got lots of time to figure it out. Right. Um, sure. So I think you're, at that, at that time, it's, it's, I don't know if it's easier to take action or not, but it's certainly, I, I feel there'd be less risk. I think it's no better time to start than while you're young. That said. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Now, I mean,
2: that's the best time, but the next best time is any time that works right now. If you're 50 or 60 or 70 or whenever, right. There's no real wrong time.
3: It's interesting because I do believe that there's a little bit of a balance there, but the funny thing is, is that, you know, where is it? And it's different for everybody. And I would say for you, it was probably the right thing to do to take that action right away because it's in your personality and you, and you, and you've told yourself, I'm not just going to throw my arms up in the air. If something goes wrong, I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. Right. And so as long as you have that mentality, I believe that the answers are out there for anything that you will come across, um, you know, regardless of, of what you've jumped into. I do think the most important thing is to take action. Mm -hmm. So congratulations for doing that. But would you have changed it? Would you have learned? Would you, do you think you would have stepped back and said, okay, let me learn a little bit more. Maybe these areas weren't right. Maybe I should have done something differently.
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to say when I bought back in 2019, I mean, I think, uh, it goes without saying, I, I think you really could have purchased anything in 2019 and made money from it. So it's hard to really put that into perspective. Uh, like what could have went wrong? Really? I could have bought anything and I would look like a genius today, uh, especially in my market, right. my market's double tripled in price in some, in some areas. So, so if I would have stepped back, I you know, I probably would have, uh, you know, I think a logical thing to do would probably just reach out to, uh, you know, people in that that area that that were killing it at the time, that were purchasing properties, and just saying, hey, like these are the properties I'm looking at. What do you think of them? Uh, and kind of getting guidance that way. But I'm I'm honestly I'm I'm thoroughly happy with with the decisions that I that I made kind of early on because a big thing for me that was that was really holding Taylor back um, was uh, there was a lot of people around us saying like you know maybe you guys should wait, maybe you should uh, maybe you guys should take it a little bit slower. And I couldn't can't help but think uh the situation i'd be in if i had listened to people uh because a lot of people that were giving us advice were people that weren't doing what we wanted to do and i think it was uh something i i learned or i just kind of told myself very early on is there's going to be people that doubt what we're doing um and i'm just going to prove them wrong and i that's i'm like i'm a very big uh i'm a very competitive person i i really like to win um not always like win as in like making somebody else lose but I like proving people wrong and I like like you know I like pushing myself as as much as I can and and just kind of proving to myself a lot of the time like I can actually do this you know it seems difficult right now um but I know I can do this I just have to you know take the right action um and just push through it so
3: well I think you make a good point there and people do confuse their emotions with um with with business right like If I was to ask, like, you're right, like, who are you going to take the advice from? It has to be from someone that is doing what you want to do. If I was to talk to Sandy and say, hey, Sandy, like, do you think I should do this deal? And he said, man, like, probably not right now. Then I might, you know, do well to sit back and and reconsider. But if you're taking advice from someone who's never done what you want to do, is not, is not, like, is not where you want to be. Then yeah, it's probably not best to take advice from them on on real estate, right? So difficult that's a good point. it's
2: friends and friends typically family or friends you know well and and probably trust in other ways a lot. Right. Life, right,
3: right, and it's tough because you also you also then after don't want them coming back and saying, well, I told you, you know, you shouldn't have done that. Look, look what happened. You should have taken my advice. Have I ever yeah. steered you wrong before? Exactly. So it it does get confusing, a little bit difficult, but yeah, you, that's, I think one of the best points that that's the, our golden nugget for today, really to take <laughs> advice. I mean, there's probably more, we're just barely into the interview. That's going to be one. Yeah. of them.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
4: And I think, uh, I mean, the, really the best example I have is somebody told me not to invest in real estate. They let me, they lent me $70,000 to buy two properties. Um, they, uh, I've been paying them 6% on their, on their money. So over the course of two years, I've probably paid them, you know, $4,000 for that private capital. Um, I've since then actually sold those two properties and made um, a significantly higher profit. I actually gave them the opportunity early on to invest with me, um, in the actual deal, be a 50, 50 partner, but they just felt more confident just lending the money and not being part of the deal. And I think that's a really good, uh, is like I think a lot of us just get scared of like what's what's my worst case scenario and let's always think like what's my worst case scenario I like to look at things and think like what's realistically what realistically is going to happen in this situation what's like my best case scenario because I know I'm going to I'm going to you know put a lot of effort into it and I can uh, majority of the time reach my best case scenario right especially now I have the fundamentals I understand what I'm doing so now I really understand if I do this there's a very good chance. Like my best case scenario is going to be what happens, right? Because I'm very niche down now, and I'm I'm very particular in, in what I'm purchasing. But uh, but just early on, like I said, I was I was I was willing to do that extra work in order to make it,
2: in order to make that deal work. So. So, we're, so now, um, fast-forward to today. I guess you're, you're at. What, what's the portfolio look like? And, and, um, mention your age if you're, if you're okay with that too, because I think that inspires a lot of people.
4: Yeah, so I'm 25. I just turned 25. Taylor's still 24, so he's gonna be younger than me. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, I mean, uh, so right now we've got 60 units. We, like I said, we just tied up four more properties yesterday. We're gonna. My goal is by the end of the year to be at 100 units. I don't really see a big, um, big barrier for that, but, um. Yeah, so we got sixteen properties right now. Are they all in uh, Chatham, or all in Chatham, Chatham all within five kilometers from each other? So, like I said, I'm very niche down. I understand uh, exactly what I'm purchasing. um, Every single property. I I don't need to look at comps. I don't need to any of this because I'm very focused on one particular area. And uh, actually, really good point to that. So there was a there was actually a fourplex that got brought to me uh, in London, Ontario for two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars buy seller and I said you know what I'm not I'm not interested in London because I'm only in Chatham even though I live closer to London than I do to Chatham but my, my whole goal was just stay focused on on what I'm doing so I gave that property to another uh a good friend of mine and uh when I gave her that property it was like it was a few days after she was talking to somebody who owned a 12plex in Chatham that I ended up buying the property from uh just because it was like the time of day she was looking at this fourplex and she just happened to run into this person so um I don't know. It was just, it was just something cool. I thought, but like, I'm, I'm really, uh, in the, in the mindset of like, I want to stay like I realized, uh, kind of halfway through our journey. So about a year ago, I realized like, this is, this is really boring, but I'm making a lot of money doing it. And that's and at any time that I've gotten excited about doing something different is when I haven't made the returns that I've made on the boring stuff, like buying the duplexes, buying the fourplexes, buying the 12 plexes. I'm really good at that. Um, but you know, then when I get into flipping or I get into you know wholesaling things like that, I don't really see that return that I'm seeing on some of these other projects. But that's because I'm kind of I'm doing something different. I'm
2: not staying focused on on what the actual goal is. It's part of the challenge in uh, business in general, probably almost any business is the boring stuff. Is probably because you're like you're mastering it and you're getting so good at it that it becomes a little boring, and you lose a bit of that initial excitement, right? And yet. That's kind of what you sign up for. You want to get to that boring stage, so that you—that's a sign that it's you you know, you know what you're doing really well. Exactly. Yeah. There's always that appeal of the the silver (laughs) shiny 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 (laughs) shiny object, right? That you gotta, you know, at times it's worthwhile to maybe spend some time around that too. But yeah, balancing that out and not not going too crazy on the shiny object syndrome and bouncing around all day, uh, you know, in every different direction. That that's usually a sign for uh, or recipe for um, you know a lot more challenges and probably probably throwing away some of that money that you're making in your, your really easy stuff that you should just focus on. Right. Absolutely.
3: And to yeah. your point, you know, you're not spending a lot of time when, when, when deals come across the desk, you know, whether they're a deal within a couple minutes and you, you, you can take a look at it and go, no, oh, this doesn't look like a deal. I know exactly the area and what this should be, or, or if we're going to put in an offer, here's what the offer needs to be because I understand the area and I understand that, you know, this is priced too high or whatever. Um, it takes you a couple minutes to, to place a value on that property. Right. Whereas if you did wander out into London and other areas, you have to learn them, not to say that one can't do that, but that is what you would have to do in order to be responsible and, and know whether that fourplex was a deal or not then you've America. got to start searching and spending half your day going, okay, what are other fourplexes in London going for? So, no, I really like that. I think it's important to be an expert in, 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 in certain areas, in the areas that you plan to focus in. Absolutely.
2: Um, you, so, yeah, you, we're going to ask you a bit later around how you find these types of deals because it sounds like you're buying every deal in Chatham because I know it's not <laughs> that big of a, of, of, of a place. But, um I try to. <laughs> but what's your... Uh, what's That's your... the
3: strategy. What's Sorry, your plan what's
2: maybe that ties into this anyways but what what's your plan to continue growing the business and and you know obviously finding more properties or building the portfolio bigger. Yeah, so I mean now I mean we've got a lot of capital partners backing us at
4: this point. Uh the, I mean the, the whole goal uh kind of to Rob's point is like I, I in an in an ideal world I'd like to own every single multifamily that that's in Chatham. Um obviously that's not something doable so like I said Our plan is in the next three years, we want to triple our business uh, or sorry. In the next two years, we want to triple our business. We want to get to 200 units in the next uh, two years. Um, And how we plan on doing that is just continuing to buy off market properties, uh, direct to seller. That's where we're finding we're getting like the most value and where we're, we're still seeing like cash out refinances where we're paying all of the capital money back and we're actually getting a payment um, at the end of the day in our pocket. Uh, versus, you know, when we're buying on the MLS, we're sometimes, you know, typically leaving $30,000, $40,000 in the deal. So, you know, the sweet spot is definitely off market. Um, And I was actually out in Hawaii, um, at a mastermind a couple weeks ago. And uh, one of the things we're trying to focus on is like what what the business looks like in order to to achieve 200 units. So one of the biggest issues that we have, even though we're still buying a lot of off-market properties, there still needs to be more deal flow. Uh, So one of the ways we're going to combat that is we're actually hiring somebody full-time just to help us with acquisitions, so they're going to be door knocking, connecting with realtors, connecting with sellers, um, analyzing every single property that comes up on the MLS, and just really giving them a guidebook of saying these are all the check boxes we need to check off. If they if they meet all of them, um, it's a simple conversation with Jeremy that's going to give the yes or no for that approval. And we're just going to make it more of a streamlined process so that we're able to uh, to really kind of ramp up the way we're 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 buying properties and really just trying to focus on like the core model of buying the properties and outsourcing everything else beyond that. So uh, uh, to like right now we're managing all our properties in-house through our property management company. We've actually hired a property manager since uh, the time that we, that we really last spoke. So they're going to be dealing with all of the tenant complaints, leasing the units, uh, doing all the maintenance on the units, really everything. So that puts Taylor and I in a really good situation to focus on what we're good at, uh, really how we were able to, grow a business at the beginning was, you know, finding capital and finding deals. But, you know, when we start having all of these units, our time gets eaten up by wearing all of these other hats, you know, being the contractor, being the property manager, being the maintenance guy. Uh, So, so really just trying to step back and understand, like, what do we need to, what do we need to be doing right now? That's going to get us to where we want to go.
3: Okay. So let's talk about how you, like, what, what strategies do you use to attract jv partners or, okay. or other investors
4: yeah yeah so uh i think the, the easiest way that i've been able to find joint venture partners or capital partners uh pretty much anything under a million bucks we're going to buy personally uh especially if it's a burr, or if it's a burr, we're not going to we're not even going to approach a joint venture partner i'd rather keep the asset 100 percent now is definitely different a year ago right because i was a little bit uh more hesitant i wanted to make sure like i wasn't going to just like collapse if a deal you know if i didn't get that Um, entire down payment back out, whatever the case may be. Whereas now I'm a a lot more comfortable. So the best way is just through social media. I think just sharing on social media every single day, what you're doing just sparks a lot of curiosity in people. The amount of people that I've borrowed money from where they've refinanced their house, uh, you know, they're they're lending me the money at, uh, you know, 4% and I'm paying them 10%. A lot of people just don't know these things. Right. So when you're able to just educate people every single day, like this is how I bought this property. This is how I was able to get the down payment. People are like, I can do that, too. Um, I actually have $500,000 in my house that I can lend to you. Perfect. Uh, and a lot of times when we're borrowing money from people, they're like, I never even knew this was possible. Uh, so like I like to your point, social media has been the biggest one for us or just showing them like, hey, these are the returns we got on this property. Uh, and they're thinking, wow, I'm getting half of that return in my market. So I could go and invest in your market. You could do all the work for me, and I'm going to get the same return, but do none of the work. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Um, and that's how we've been able to to really attract joint venture partners. But just being that guy that people want to work with, right? Like people want to work with Taylor and Jeremy because you know, like I think we're you know we want to be your best friend. We want to hang out with you. We, it's not just like a business transaction. We want to build like some sort of long term relationship with you. Uh, we're young investors too. I think a lot of people can resonate with you know how much work we're going to put into the asset versus maybe somebody who's, you know, got a couple of kids at home, got a full-time job, things like that. Um we try and we try and be that person that people can align with um, and obviously trust trust uh, us with their money. So
2: Yeah, it could snowball pretty fast, right? Find one or two of them and then all of a sudden all of a sudden, word goes pretty fast, especially if you're being very out there about it. Like you said, I think that's huge to be on, be active on social, show what you're doing, sh- share tips, strategies that has right. Like it goes a long ways. Um, For sure. I mean, people, everyone's sitting on their phones all day anyway, so you might exactly. as well be on there and in their face <laughs> as much as yeah. you can. Um How how, uh, how did you decide to leave? Like being 25 and essentially re- retired from the nine to five gig. Um, how did you, was that a goal? Like initially, like a couple of years ago to get out that fast. Was that part of your, your goals? And how did you do that? Cause that's pretty young to, um, yeah. to do that. Yeah. So when Taylor and I
4: first bought our first property, when we were 22, we were like super, like all we, all we thought about, and we kind of still think of it this way. It was like, all we thought about back then was like real estate. It's like every conversation was about real estate. Everyone we were hanging out with real estate. So we started like developing goals. And actually our five-year goal was, for me to quit my job and then our seven-year goal was for taylor to quit her job so uh during covid last year we had i think we had five or six properties and i got laid off for a week it was it was just one week i got laid off for and during that week i i found a property off market and i wholesaled it and i made i think i made 15 20,000 from the wholesale and i thought wow i have to honestly i have to trade like a thousand hours of my time in order to get that at my day job where I just traded like four hours of my time and knocked on a door and I got a property and and assigned it to somebody and made that much money. So that was like a real light bulb moment for me. Uh, My boss called me back. That's on, it was, I got laid off on a Friday and he called me back and he, you know, he he was very uh, upfront about it. He said, this is only going to be a week or two week layoff. Uh, So I just took a lot of action the following week. And he called me back on the following Friday. I said, Hey Jeremy, um, you know, I want you to come back to work next Monday. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff picking up now. And, um, I like, I, I, and I like paused on the phone and I was like, I I can't come back. I said, I can't come back. And, uh, so I went home that night and I was talking, so I was actually working in Chatham on one of our renovation projects when he called and I came came home that night and I talked to Taylor, I said, Hey, what do you think about me uh, quitting my day job? She was working part-time. Uh, we had a huge mortgage to pay for. And like I said, we, we weren't really cash flowing there was a lot of renovations going on, but you know, like we were investing everything back into the business. I said, what do you think about me quitting my job? Uh, you know, this is the plan this is how we're going to probably make it work. And she's like, no, there's no way you can't do that. Like everything's going to go south. And I said, well, I already quit my job. So <laughs> I don't know how else I'm going to, I just, I, I get very like passionate about uh, things I'm doing sometimes. Like I get very like, obs- I, I kind of have like an obsessive mind, like uh, mindset sometimes. And I was like, this makes so much sense. I, I don't think anybody's going to tell me it makes sense. Uh, but to me it makes sense. So let's just go for it. Uh, and then kind of from there, we, like I said, we buttoned, I, we've done about 30 deals so far. At that time, we had six. So in the last year, we've done like 25 deals, whether that's buy and hold um, or wholetailing. Uh, so like when you actually just put all of your focus into one thing, massive results can come out of that. And that's kind of what I learned. Like that, that one week I was, uh, didn't have a day job. I was like, imagine I did this 52 weeks out of the year. Like how much money can I make? How much, like, how much opportunity am I leaving on the table for somebody else? That's just willing to take that additional risk.
2: So, makes sense. Um, thankfully, you got laid off. Thankfully, you know, yeah. I think I've heard a, lot of a few, uh, quite a few stories like that in the past year and a half or so, right? It's really changed people's perspective um, this whole pandemic. It's, 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 there's a lot to be thankful for at times around how that's played out for a lot of people, right? It's pretty crazy.
4: Yeah, you um, never know what's going to happen. Uh, that was kind of similar mm-hmm. with Taylor. Taylor quit her job three months ago and the goal was like once kind of this year when we really started building our business quite aggressively uh the goal was may 2022 was when she was going to quit now the only people we hang out with really at this point are real estate investors uh, and so every time we were around all, i mean pretty much all of them are doing we're doing what i was doing we were all uh didn't have full-time day jobs we we're all just kind of doing real estate uh when we felt necessary and they were kind of all pushing Taylor, like, you know, you got this, you got this because Taylor's kind of got, like she wants to be comfortable, right? She doesn't, uh, a lot of times she needs to, like, it's hard for her to get out of her comfort zone. Um, but I think to the point, like just being around people that are doing really cool things all the time sparks a lot of um, interest in people. So with Taylor, like she saw like how much I was building the business, doing this full time. And then we thought like, how much more can we build this business? Like, imagine we had, you know, instead of 40 hours a week, just Jeremy, we had 80 hours with, with you and I, right. And then, um, as soon as she kind of left her day job, uh, we've even taken off at a higher, at a higher rate of speed. So,
3: yeah, that's really cool guys. Congratulations, by the way, I mean, not too many people have the same story that they can tell. And, um, and so how has your day and your lifestyle changed because of that?
4: Yeah, for sure. So we're traveling lots. Uh, We're going to be out in Costa Rica uh, for two months in January. Um, I mean, we're traveling pretty much every single month for a week. So uh, what's changed for us is we've just thought, okay, our goal with real estate was so we could travel all the time. Uh, But we still have this mindset where we're like, are we do we have enough money to travel? Should we kind of wait a year? And then we're like, no, let's just do it. Because we're always going to have this idea of like, let's wait till there's a better opportunity. So we're trying to develop our business so it's able to scale when we're not um, not around. Trying to really putting our, like our huge, our biggest focus right now is making ourselves replaceable. So what I do, making making myself replicable or le- replicatable so that I can just hand it off to somebody else and they can do what I'm doing. And I can go enjoy the travel life um, and kind of build the business uh, from afar. So that's um, that's really what's changed for us now is just kind of, thinking more outside the box, because really the whole idea was when Taylor quit her job, we were going to, you know, grow the property management company, do all of these other things. And then we realized this isn't what we're passionate about. I don't really like dealing with tenants. I don't tell you the truth. I don't even really like buying real estate, but I understand the benefit it has for us. Right. So that's why we're like, let's outsource. Like, especially now, um, anytime I do something besides buy a property or, or raise private capital, I think, how can I get somebody else to do this task for me? Like, cause I want to do this once more and then never have to do it again. So we're using, uh, looms. Uh, so like even writing, um, off market, uh, offers, like I record myself writing these offers. So when I hire that person, they understand how I'm doing that. Right. So if that person doesn't work out and I have to bring on another person, I have all of these documents in place so that I'm able to train them a lot more efficiently. Um, and really just with everything, right. We don't like property management. We're going to hire that out. Um, that's kind of the mindset we're in right now.
3: And then the life goals, like you mentioned that you're going to travel. Um, the goal is, I guess, a week, a month. Is that what you said?
4: So we're traveling a week, a month right now. Uh, I, I mean, the goal is like we want to have a big family. So the goal is like when we have a lot of kids, like to kind of be able to spend a lot of time with them and like still be able to travel and just kind of live like a life where there's no sort of uh, there's nothing I have to, you know, go to or uh you know, wake up and have to do, right. I get to decide what I want to do every single day because we're still growing in the business and there are still things I have to do every single day where um, maybe they're not outsourced right now, but just really positioning ourselves so that uh, when we do start, you know, building a family things like that, that we're, we're, we're completely focused on that and, and really nothing else.
3: So give us a little bit about, because I think sort of sometimes we more focus Sandy and I in the show about um, you know, how people are being successful in real estate and, And we do talk about, I think that it's time for us to maybe put a little more emphasis on why we are doing this. Like, you know, it's great to be successful. It's great to enjoy um, building a real estate company because those of us with passion for real estate, you know, and I think you do need a certain amount of passion where, you know, maybe some people like to do it just as, hey, it's a means to an end and I don't like it. I think the majority of the people that we talk to on this show really do have a genuine, you know, love for real estate. And uh, and so that's one thing. And that that's fulfilling in a way, too. But we all do it so that we can do things like travel and and uh, and spend more time with family. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what are those goals? Where are you going? Why are you going there? You know, all that kind of stuff.
4: Yeah, yeah. And this kind of takes me back a couple of years. Like my grandma got sick, uh, she had a heart attack. Uh, three three years ago maybe two years ago and uh she she survived but um but we were kind of like our whole family was in the hospital and we were just kind of all sitting in this room like waiting to hear what kind of what the what was going to happen and like that was the first realization i had was like i haven't seen like any of my family in the last like probably like two months right i was like i i never want to put myself in this situation again because really like that's what means the most to me is like spending time with family um, spending time with Taylor, spending time with friends. Like that is really where I get the most enjoyment. Um, and that's really kind of why, why we really pushed into real estate, but the, but yeah, like, like to your point, like the goal is to, to not, to not have like this, this huge emphasis on money. Like I'm, I'm really not tied to money. I'm tied to what money can provide for me. What can it provide to my family, my friends, uh, things like that. But I mean, every single year we, we, uh, we do charity things. Um, I'm trying to give back because like I said, I'm not tied to money, but what I am tied to is, you know, being able to travel when I want to travel uh, being able to, you know, go golfing when I, when I want to go golfing, being able to hang out with Taylor when I want to hang out with Taylor. So th- that's really what's important to me and real estate's just, just a vehicle that's helping me get there.
2: So we talked about, um, <laughs> Rob's trying to talk to his meter. We talked about, uh, you know, your portfolio and how you're, kind of repositioning it what what's what's exciting about moving up i guess in that in that sort of, in that sense and you know you're looking at larger asset classes 12 unit buildings etc what's the the goal with that and the reason
4: yeah yeah i mean i i love i definitely love the multifamily. i think it's a lot easier to to make a lot more money doing that which so it's like if if the goal is, let's say I want X amount of capital or I want X amount of net worth, I mean, definitely multifamily is where I'm finding it's uh, more of an acceleration. Why so, is that? Why do you say that? I, I mean, it definitely with just turning over units and being able to utilize like a cap rate versus just like what a comparable is going to sell for. for. So for in Chatham, I mean, for the longest time, duplexes were only selling for 200000 when they are fully renovated, fully rented uh, at like peak market performance but you know, you're buying them for 130,000. So, you know, to put 40,000 into the property and make $30,000, it was really hard to like, how do you scale that to make a million bucks? I mean, you got to do a lot of these properties. Obviously now it's, the game's changed a little bit more and, you know, ARVs are rising. uh, Things are selling for, you know, what they should sell for versus what they used to just sell for obviously because everybody wants to be a real estate investor. I don't blame them. Uh, Whereas in the multifamily space, I mean, especially in Chatham, we're buying these buildings where they're like forty percent at market rents. So there's like sixty percent upside on these rents. You know, we're buying them and they're all rented for six hundred bucks a unit, and now we're renting them out for like fifteen hundred dollars a unit. So we can turn over these units even at like a seven cap, and you know, get a fourteen times uh, uh, multiplier on our monies, right? So if we're raising the value by a thousand dollars and we're buying it at a seven cap, well, now we've raised it essentially one hundred forty thousand uh, dollars for that hundred thousand dollar. Uh, difference, so definitely seeing it. Uh, definitely a more scalable model for sure. When we're because really the the, the whole goal behind the two hundred units is we just want to essentially just triple what we have in terms of like capital because I think that's where we're going to feel really comfortable. But if I can do that with you know let's say forty units less, I'm all for it. So.
3: And you just mentioned a seven cap um, on a, on a on your purchase of your building. So let's talk about where you find something like that because. You know that that's at least where we are, maybe a little bit uh few and far between on those yeah. type of numbers so
4: so I should revert back. We're actually not buying at a seven cap we're buying it like a five cap uh that was just more like figuratively speaking uh actually, the first building we bought uh we bought we we bought it for one point one million dollars in the peep. there's a literally an exact building beside us, and it traded a week later for one point seven million with the exact same net operating income so uh that was like a huge light bulb moment i'm like we just made half a million dollars just buying this asset and uh and so yeah i mean we're we're typically buying at a five cap we're refining at a five cap uh so it's essentially like a 20 times uh uh multiplier on our on our uh income but but yeah definitely getting a lot harder to to buy to buy properties i mean i've talked to what i think would be most of the owners that own multifamily buildings and uh i mean it's it's getting a lot more difficult to find motivated sellers. Uh, You know, a year ago, it was a lot easier. Now it's becoming more and more difficult. Now we're we're essentially buying at like market value sometimes and just selling at uh, just uh, kind of like a whatever people want to pay market value um, at the end of the day, which is, you know, sometimes like fundamentals are out the door at that point, but they're still like, it's kind of like bullish to think that you're going to always make money like that. And I'm trying to be more self-aware of like, I've actually never went through a market where there's been like a downturn there. I've only been in a market where you can like win. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I was talking on a, on a webinar the other day. And I was was saying like in the last two years, it's actually been more beneficial for real estate investors for your contractor to take two months longer than what he said, because you're (laughs) actually going to make more money on the back end right? It's a good point. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Well, I've always, I've always said, unless you're, I mean, unless your income is active flipping, then I've always said like, just hold on to it. You know, you're going to make more money hanging on to it. Um, uh, yeah, no, that's interesting. But where, where are you finding the deals though?
4: Um, just direct to seller. Like honestly, just a lot of what I do, uh, like even for all of my deals, the the best way that I've found properties is just through property managers, just building a really strong relationship with property. I, I'm, a, I'm in conversation with three property managers in Chatham right now. I have not asked them if they have any properties that they would be willing to let go of. I'm building that relationship before I even ask those questions. Um, and that's what I've done kind of throughout my past um, to develop these strong relationships and build that trust. Because I, I like to think there's maybe three or four other people kind of asking the same questions to these people. Um, I do a lot of door knocking too. Anytime I'm in Chatham all like there's, there's so many properties that, that are in need of repair or have an opportunity to, to push force appreciation. So like my, my best strategy is probably just going up to, to, to these properties. A lot of them are tenanted. So I understand like the, the way I need to approach that person versus if it's the actual owner of the house is, is much different. So a lot of what I do is I just say, hey, look, I own the property like three doors down. I need to get in contact with your landlord for some work that we're doing. Like it's a 99% chance I'm getting that landlord's number versus, you know, people that blanket flyer markets and they say, hey, I'm looking to buy your house. And, you know, 99% of the people are tenants and they say that's going in the garbage. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm just a little bit more strategic on like, who am I actually talking to when I deliver these flyers? Is it the owner? Is, is it a tenant? Because it's a, it's a very different, you know, if a tenant's paying $500, there's like a 0% chance they're going to give their landlord your number, Yeah. right? Because they know this, this asshole or this guy is going to, to kick me out and charge me $1,500 if I want to stay here, yeah. right? So you just have to understand, like, what's, what's the client look like? And, uh, and how can I, you know, kind of change my strategy up
2: to, to make this work? What's happened with the rents? Speaking on that, just briefly, what's happened with the rental market in Chatham? I'm, it's I exploded. don't know if it's gone. Has it gotten crazy in the last two years? Like, has it doubled or more? Uh, it's, it's, it's literally doubled.
4: Since, yeah. since I got into the market, it's, it's honestly doubled. And actually, our 12-plex, so we bought our 12-plex back in February. Uh, when we bought it, we were expecting there's two-bedroom, 900-square-foot units, very nicely laid out, huge bathroom, huge kitchen. It had everything you could ask for in a two-bedroom unit. And so we were expecting to get 1200 bucks a month uh, for rent. Then kind of midway through the closing period, my partner was like, Hey, do you think maybe we can try and shoot for 1295? I said, definitely getting a little tight, but let's, let's push for it. We'll put everything uh, like really high end appliances, everything to try and get that maximum value. Then when we did the renovations, we said, let's get 1395. Then we got 1395. Then we renovated another uh, unit in that building. And then we're getting 1495. Now we're renovating another unit in that building. Now we're asking 1595. So it's, it's, like it's just on a projection. Like it's like um I was like I see like that dodge point thing where it's like this the guy riding on a rocket ship. That's honestly Chatham <laughs> and rents, mm-hmm. and the price and the price point is not keeping up with it. Versus most of these where the price points going up and the rents are going like you know not on the same trajectory. Chatham's like the complete opposite where the rents are continuing to go up. Uh, taking rents price, to the moon. Yes, rents to the moon. So yeah. uh, I mean we've seen I similar to when we first started buying one bedroom duplexes in crappy areas, right? You're getting 800 bucks a month rent. Now you're getting 1295 plus all utilities. So it's, it's a, it's a definitely an interesting market to be in. I think it's, it's a market that I'm really trying to push for new investors. There's a lot of really good opportunities, uh, but it's just finding those opportunities that I think is becoming more and more
3: difficult. Uh, maybe one last bit of uh, strategy here for the people listening. So you're mentioning that you're turning over these units, right? So how are you getting the, current tenants the ones that you bought the, the the building with how are you getting them out in order yeah. to do
4: this yep so uh i guess kind of another point to add like a big thing that work uh, me and Taylor are both passionate <clears throat> about uh is like homelessness like i'm not like my my intention when i'm buying these buildings is i'm genuinely approaching these tenants with like this is an idea i have do you want to move and i'm willing to incentivize you if you would like to move um that's kind of the, the conversation that I have with people, because the last thing I want to do is, you know, make a hundred thousand dollars and put somebody on the street uh, to benefit myself. Like we have a really strong understanding, like that's not the people we want to be. Maybe, maybe there's a lot more opportunity being that type of person. Uh, but I'm just not willing to go to those lengths um, and have like, you know, if, if people don't want to leave, that's totally okay. Uh, in our 12plex, we asked all 12, we went door by door by door. We said, if you'd like to move, uh, we'd be more than happy to renovate your unit, um, but if not, it's not a problem, right? So we're we're very we're very passive in the conversations we have with people, uh, because, like I said, I don't want to put somebody else in the street uh, for my own benefit. So.
3: Uh, and by the way, I do not think there's more opportunity in being the other way.
4: I guess Cause... I mean, like, there's more money to be made, and that's I think Ooh. a lot of strategy. <laughs> a lot of people.
3: I don't know. I, I I would yeah. I understand what you're saying, but I think that I think that there's always more. Stepping on heads to get up does never makes you more money than working working with people. Short term, maybe.
4: Yeah, yeah. You just, yeah. I mean, that's not the person I want to be, and I and I and I try and push that to a lot of people. Like, you know, if you don't turn this, bill, you know, a lot of people you see on Facebook groups, things like that. Like, how do I get this tenant out? If the tenant doesn't want to leave, the tenant doesn't want to leave. Like this, you have to understand. Like this is their home. Like you're just like imagine being like I was like like imagine I was in that situation and some guy came to the door and said you're leaving and like you need to just tell me what you want so you leave. Like I don't want to be that person. We I think we incentivize people, or we 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 give people enough um, money. So if they do choose to move, they they have like a strong foundation when they when they move to a different place. But we understand too. Like if if they're paying five hundred dollars and they're all, and they're going to have to pay thirteen hundred dollars somewhere else, there's a lot of tenants we just I'll never have that conversation with because I know I'm putting them in a very difficult situation. Um, if, if they take my offer. Right. So there's, I, we're, we're even strategic with that. And we tell all of our, all of our partners bringing on, like, we're not the type of people where we're going to get these units vacant for you. We'll, we'll ask the question if, if they don't want to take it, that's the last conversation I'm having with them. And so.
3: that's interesting. And I mean, I think that um, it's important to be able to go in and, and turn it over. It's important to run your business properly, but at the same time, there, there is something that will benefit the person in the unit to the point where they will want to go. Yeah. So, um, you know, conversation is, is really all you need to have, I guess, figure yeah. out what it is. Right. And if it's beneficial to everybody, then, and it works, then you can move forward.
4: Yeah. And actually another thing we do is a lot of times people don't have laundry in their units or maybe their units are outdated. There's actually a lot of times where we'll go in and we'll say, Hey, if we do X, 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 you want to pay $150 more a month. A lot of times people are happy with that in our four plexes. We've added coin up laundry in all of them, where these units didn't have uh coin up laundry um, or sorry, not coin up laundry, just, just regular laundry. They don't have to pay for And we say, Hey, do you want to pay an extra $50 a month to have this service in there or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be?
3: So, Right on, okay, um man, uh, we appreciate you coming on today. You've shared a whole lot with us, so uh, this has been great, you know, I've enjoyed it a lot. Sandy, have you enjoyed it?
2: It's pretty cool, it's pretty inspiring. It's cool. I think others will be uh will be inspired by it for sure because there's um well, there's a ton of more strategy stuff we could probably dive into, but I mean, you know ultimately by the sounds of it you're're you're, you're, you're putting in the hours, but you're also doing it in a smart way, which I love you're actually working towards or already leveraged a lot of this out and, and really valuing your time, uh, as well at the same time, which is, I think a lot of people get in that trap eventually when they're buying properties at the level you are and they're doing all of it or too much of it themselves, it becomes a, you're trapping yourself almost. Right. And then you're stuck in that grind for, it's hard to get out of it because you don't even have the right mindset going in. So, so yeah, I've, it's awesome to see you doing it in that way. Because you're building a life around this, that's what you want versus just getting all kind of caught up in the, the excitement of buying properties. And before you know it, a lot of people you know, do that and then they're stuck and they can't get out. And it's, uh, it's actually pretty sad, actually. A lot of people yeah. get stuck in that for life. No, for sure.
3: Yeah, well, I think the thing is um, not being reactionary, I guess, is, is what you're leading to there, Sandy, right? Like mm. um, in, in every aspect in the purchase of the property, but also dealing with people and dealing with issues to like, what I've seen from you is you, you, you take a step back, you're able to assess it on like, on a real level, and and then take the action that's necessary where, where from what I've seen from a lot of other people to not have that tolerance to be able to deal with things, right, maybe get too panicked or worried or, or overreacting. You know, when everything does, have every problem has a solution. And I think that is really important for people to just understand that, hey, you know, I guess you can't get rid of the human emotion of, you know, getting upset over something. But you from a business standpoint, you always have to take a step back and just look at it from other points of view and really put things into perspective. And I, And I think from what I've seen and from what I've heard from you, you're very good at doing that. So kudos on that man
4: yeah i guess i a, a, definitely a point i want to add is um and i think this kind of we can all relate to this is sometimes people look up to to people like us maybe or maybe people be higher than us and they think you know everything's going perfect for them i wish i was in their shoes because it seems like they have no problems and we definitely do have problems we always there's always some sort of issue that we're dealing with or some sort of hurdle we're trying to jump over uh we're definitely not perfect we definitely strive to be as perfect as we can but we understand like we're going to still make mistakes um, there's going to be a property probably in the next 10 years that I do lose money on. Right. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Uh, it just, it just have, it hasn't happened yet. And I'm like bracing, you know, for, I'm always bracing, like what is going to like, what can go wrong here? Um, and, and, you know, I, and I, and I don't have everything figured out, but I, you know, if I don't understand something, I definitely try and do my best to, to really understand it and, and how to overcome it.
3: So. That is amazing. How can people get in touch with you? People yeah, listening I'm, out there, if they want to uh, learn more about what you're doing where can
4: for they reach sure. you for sure? So I'm, I'm very active on uh, social media, especially Instagram. You get to see my face every single morning, uh, giving a wake up call to everybody to kind of uh, go about your day um, in an efficient manner. And, and, you know, try and make, try and push your, yourself one step forward every single day. That's where I'm most active. That's where people can get in contact with me. So uh, just at and, Jeremy Ivany. Okay. Gotcha. Awesome.
3: I V A N Y. Yes. Cool. All right. And, and we're going to have all your other contact info. It's going to be in the show notes. So anyone uh, that wants to get in touch with Jeremy, maybe you're not on Instagram. I don't know why, but maybe you're not. If you want to reach out <laughs> to another way, just go in the show notes and all his contact information is going to be in there. So again, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah. Sandy. Thanks Rob. Thanks Sandy. Yeah. How can people awesome. get in touch with you, Sandy?
2: Uh, Sandy at McKay would be the easiest way. Um, and uh, should be message. Happy to help however we can.
3: Yeah. And I think Sandy and I sort of don't take the uh, point that we should at the end of every show, you know, I think that, you know, don't wait. If, if you want to like learn from us, uh, we, we're more than happy to talk to people about stuff and we're here for the newer investors, right? To, to reach out to us and, and sort of devise a plan, you know, devise some kind of uh, education or just some suggestions, you know, on, on areas or on types of investment or whatever it is, just conversations that people should be having when they're new. And Sandy and I are both open to hearing from uh, everybody. So, you know, reach out to us. Yeah. Then um, on that note, you can reach me at Rob at Mr. So uh, really appreciate everybody joining us again today and we will see you next time. Have a good one, everybody.